0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Pit. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Associate Head Coach Alonzo Webb III, third, also handles all our jumps and multis events here on our track and field. Coach, how are we doing today?
1: Good, Devin. Thanks for having me. No, I, I, I appreciate this. I'm super
0: lucky since I get to talk to you almost every single day and all that. So now having you on the podcast, hearing your story,
1: I'm super yeah, excited. You've been at Pit for how long? Uh, starting my 14th season here. So. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. I'm happy to continue it. Awesome. So for anyone listening,
0: do you mind just giving a little bit of background of yeah. your athletic journey here at Pitt, too, and also what got you into coaching?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I started my undergrad here at Pitt in 2006, uh, competed up through my senior year, and then ended up getting injured that senior year, and I uh, uh, stepped aside from competing and just became more of like a, a extra coach uh, through my graduation in 2010, the spring. And yeah, it was... It was fun, man. I, I went through a lot of experiences of learning how to to learn your body and learn how to be comfortable and, and get strong and doing all that stuff. So it was a it was a little, a little up and down, but I can say that, you know, I had fun with it and I worked harder than probably everybody else out there. Um, learned to embrace the weight room, uh, learn to embrace the training. Uh, and yeah, man, it, w- it was great until it ended. And now here I am on the other side. Was coaching always something you wanted to do, or was it something, again, that injury where then it was just you were here,
0: it was staying close to the sport, staying close to the team, or was it something you always had in your back in mind you wanted to get into?
1: I never really wanted to coach. Uh, It's the family business, right? And So sometimes you don't want to get into the family business. Uh, So that's where I was at with it. I was the only one of my siblings that that stayed with the sport. They all stopped running in high school, and I, I was a little jealous that they got to stop and my dad told me I could, but I don't I didn't believe it. So you know, I I felt like I had run my course in the sport and I was just done. Um I wanted to do, go into business. I wanted to do something different. But my senior year, my, my coach left in December. And uh from the time she left until like I said, that injury occurred in like probably middle of February, uh, I was just helping my teammates anyway coach Webb leaned on me a lot. He, he's, he had too much on his plate. He's like, Hey, I need you to be the person to take care of the group. And so I was kind of coaching, uh, that way and really helping my teammates and us helping each other. I learned that I could coach. Um, and I, and I enjoyed it. I just didn't know if I wanted that to be my, my life. Um, but at some point I think it became one of those things that, you know, why not try it? Um, had some good mentors that, that pushed me in that direction, man. And, no, I love it.
0: That's so interesting because, again, it is a family business for you and all that. Yeah. Not being one to do it, getting injured, your coach leaving, it kind of was like, hey, I need you. I need you to be in this mm-hmm. spot. So that's kind of a, I guess, an interesting way to get into it where it's just like, all right, you're doing it for your teammates, weren't probably able to jump at the time and all that, so just helping them coach and all that. Do you think that because it all happened at Pitt, it was easier to get into coaching versus leaving, graduating, being done, and then maybe yeah. two years down the line thinking, oh, I want, I want to get into coaching. I want to get back into the sport.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I fought it. Like I said, I, I fought that transition into coaching. Um, but I think it was around October, and Coach Webb was was trying to decide, you know, whether he wanted to hire another coach in, in a different area, and he takes over the jumps. Um, or if he wanted to hire a jumps coach. And all my teammates were like, why don't you just come back? I know you're still looking for a job. Like, Why don't you just come back? And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And So I sat down and had a good Good talk with, with Coach Webb about what that would look like. Um, and so I think it did make it easier from the standpoint of my, my teammates wanted me to be here. Um, so I, I never felt like I, I wasn't prepared um, to gain their trust in, in the relationships. I think I was prepared to to write programs and coach. Absolutely not. Um, but I was prepared to, to to really gain that relationship and trust from them. And, and that was the best part about it. So I, I encourage people, man. It, I don't care if it's volunteering, being the GA. Um, you know, explore the opportunities where you're most comfortable.
0: That's awesome. The kids like wanted you, right? Because I can only imagine they're your teammates. They're probably same age as you. There's yeah. probably at least the junior sophomore class came up with you, so they're with you at practice, they're with you in class, but then still having that belief in you that like you can go right in from being an athlete into this coaching role that says a lot about your character and again i i see it firsthand being able to work with you as a coach and all that like the trust the athletes have in you like from day one they come in the buy-in seems to be there like the trust seems to be there and you do a fantastic job i'm not trying to toot your horn right now but actually (laughs) i'm telling the truth of like i can see where it comes from and all that being here for so long being at Pitt, being a forever panther i'm gonna tag this tag this podcast (laughs) and all that what has been the biggest change that you've seen? And I'm going to steer this a little bit more towards like the SNC side and then the new hiring of Felix and the sports science. Like yeah. what was it like when, as an athlete to early in your coach to where it is now?
1: Yeah, man, as an athlete for us, it was very different from from when I became a coach. I understood uh, the why when I started coaching. When I was an athlete, man, it was grinded out. We had Kim King, man. I, I love that woman. She, she taught me how to work. She taught me how to not care about – pain feelings um but she did it in a way that that helped us build character um helped us do things the right way accountability and so for us man we loved the weight room when i was an athlete like we we embraced it um when i became a coach i could start see seeing from the other side um not every coach from every sport felt the same way right they there was a craving for um a little bit more of sport specific, uh, a little bit more intentionality behind it. And so, you know, it was a tough transition for me, if I'm being honest, um, away from Kim King, because like I said, she taught me how to work, and I think she did such a good job with our sport. Um, but throughout the years and through this journey and now to where we are now with Coach Mock, um, overseeing our uh, strength and conditioning for, for all of our Olympic sports, man, she, she's built a, a group underneath that that really cares and now i see what's possible um, so that that's that's the biggest thing for me um you know you, too, you you may give me some compliments but devin uh your intention your attention to to detail and your intentionality with our sport um it makes us a little more at ease <laughs> as coaches man we're we're comfortable and we're confident sending our athletes up there and, and then now with felix and that extra layer of being really intentional and being able to, to take our athletes and find and pinpoint, how do we make them better? How do we make them elite? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what this is all about now. And so it's, it's, a, it's been a long transition, a long journey. Um, I think every single person that's come through and worked with our sports have really good intentions and had a really good basis and outlook. But I, I don't think we've ever been in a better spot as a whole for all of our sports than we are right now.
0: That, that's awesome to hear because i've always said it track runs so parallel to strength and conditioning you guys understand periodization you guys understand a high low model like you understand the benefits of if i get stronger i get more powerful mm-hmm. i'm gonna be better at my event i'm gonna try to yeah. get to those elite levels and all that in the sports science realm what has kind of been something that felix has brought in or kind of like you see the trend going to that we're doing here at Pitt, that you're really excited for to like dive into and you can just talk about your event group not yeah. track as a whole and all that
1: yeah, I mean, it starts with asking questions, man. Uh, being able to sit down with Felix, uh, sit down with you, sit down with Coach Mott, and now Kyle, who's working with us, um, and, and them asking questions about what we need, what's important in our sport, uh, what do we want to see. So now when we talk about specifically to, to my jumps group, um, I have a pretty good grasp on the way I, I train and the way I coach. I know how it correlates to the to the weight room. Um, I know how their bodies usually respond but I know only what I know. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> numbers tell us a lot more and numbers don't lie. And so I think being able to, to really start to track um, and, and get specific data of force output of fatigue factors, uh, trends uh, at different times of the year with our volume. Um, we'll be able to look at that in a different way. And I think what Felix has brought, like I said, is a, is a different intentionality and knowledge. To what those numbers can mean and sometimes what they don't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the important side that everyone needs to talk about is he can, he'll tell you, hey, we can look at that. You may think that this is telling you this, but just throw it out the window until we have all these factors under control. Numbers don't mean anything. Um, and so the fact that he guides uh, less by the hard data and more by what they correlate to I think is really important. It's not it's not a X's to O's or whatever they say. You know, it's not it's mm-hmm. not that. It's it's not a one for one that this number goes up, your kid's ready to compete. Um he, he's not gonna sell you that, you know, if we can dial this number in, they're gonna be the best they've ever been. He's gonna tell you, If we can get this better here, here's now the factors that we don't have to worry about and here's the one we still have to. No, that's
0: a great point, especially the asking questions point for me it's the biggest thing like we've just started implementing like more force plate jumping when i got here last yeah. year with your group we just for whatever reason we just didn't do it on a weekly basis so now being able to track those metrics and look at fatigue look at okay all right are we getting more powerful mm-hmm. are we getting stronger having those questions and then having felix to be like all right well yeah you're doing this but this metric might not cor-. again it's yeah. it's not apples to apples it there's a lot of gray area early on as a coach what Sports science, if any, did you guys use here at Pitt, or was it kind of yeah. more so of just like SNC, you guys,
1: and just trying to figure out the best plan to move forward? Yeah, it was, it, it was us sitting and banging our heads against the wall of like, <laughs> this kid's really strong and this number looks really good, but what's happening? Like, it, it was a lot of that. Um, uh, it, and it was off, you know, with the best the best goal in mind to 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 dial in what our athletes are doing. But at the end of the day, it was. Are they getting really strong? And, you know, are these five metrics that we have on the track side getting better? Okay, if those are good, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what we missed uh, was being able to, like, actually put that stuff into use. And it was kind of just sitting there. Like, we had all these numbers and it was just sitting there. You know, a kid got way stronger performance state level. Hey, this year they lost you know 10 pounds on their squat but the performance went up so much percent okay what are the other factors we didn't look at any of the other factors because we didn't really have access to the data um around it and you know like i said kim king would do her best of hey we can look at this and we can look at that and she was amazing of like let's just try this and i'm pretty sure it is going to work and nine times out of ten it worked but i think now we're diving into more of like 10 times out of 10, it can work (laughs) instead of nine, right? And and it may sound simple, but at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for.
0: In terms of having, we also mentioned Kyle earlier too, he's our master student that's gonna be hands on with track, which I'm sure is a whole big thing where you guys now have a singular person that you can go to, that kind of liaison between, all right, he might know exactly what to give you right there, but if not, take it to Felix, Mm -hmm. get the right answers and all that. How much do you think the sports science is going to, af- not affect, because that's not the word I'm looking for, but um, help you guys in implement better training classes? Yeah. You said, like, y- you know what you do works. You know how on the track you're getting your kids better and all But how much of, like, the tech we're bringing in, the sports science, yep. is going to, af- again, not affect, it's not the right word, but help ask better questions of even, like, practice plans and all that, of, like, yeah. making changes.
1: For sure. I mean, so for me, you know, having Kyle or someone like that around in these – more like specific areas because um, not everyone can master uh, what they do. Man, they're really good at what they do, which is it's why they're there, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Kyle shows up to practice. You know, he, he's around and he asks, like, hey, coach, I know we did this. Hey, what do you need from me? Like I said, the presence and him seeing what it looks like visually, I think alone is going to be able to help us um, because the investment right now into the technology Things like that are only as good as the people who are able to <laughs> to work it and, and to put it into action. So that's where I feel the most confident is, yeah, we're investing in the technology, but we have really good people to help us. Um, so for me, it's as simple as like I, I'm doing a lot of bounding. Right. Or I'm doing a lot of in place jumps I'm like, OK, that person looks really good. Ankles look really stiff and they're getting off the ground that's just my eye test. Mm -hmm. We can test it though. (laughs) You know, we can test what that actually means. Um, and they can help me put together of like, Hey coach, this is what it looks like to you. An eye test is good. Let's keep moving in that direction, but there's a deficiency here. Let's attack it. Um, so how, how do we approach it in a way of they're there to fill in the gaps and to catch those things that, you know, we all, we all can't do. I mean, it's impossible. we have, for me, I have 13 kids. I'm watching each one of them like a hawk. Mm-hmm. But when my head is turned watching one, I can't see what the other is doing. But when we have the testing, when we have the, the things in place to catch those, uh, it's a lot easier for us to all then come back together and, and reformulate a plan or adjust this person. Hey, this person has outshot any programming I've, I've written. I have to adjust for this. Um, and that's, that's the best part about where we're at right now. We can do that in a more elite way. Do you think it'll allow you to individualize your program a little bit more for kids
0: knowing what deficiencies they are or looking at certain metrics where, all right, they're a little bit more elastic than maybe yeah. your eyes allowing you, manipulating that training to even get that more out
1: of them? Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll use this for an example. When we first started using uh, the first form of, of force plates we got up there, mm. I forget what it was called. Um, I think they have the Sparta. I think they were up Yeah, there. maybe the, the Sparta, right? The Sparta gave us three numbers, Um I'm not gonna remember remember what all the metrics were, but it was like drive, displacement, like some mm-hmm. metrics, right? And so it was, how do we fill in that gap that it was we were seeing there? Um, and me and Taylor would sit down and we would look at it, like, all right, drive is gone, so that means usually it's a hip displacement, right? In this plane, when we're bounding, I see that too. Let's let's approach that. But at the same time, if everyone's number was down, we would just be like, all right, well whole plan shifts for, for this one thing for all 13 people because we didn't have the other numbers. We didn't have the why. We didn't have whether it was starting in their hips or their ankles. We didn't have all that stuff. For So for me, this helps individualize of that. All right, we all need to get more more explosive. But this person's explosiveness is because of stiffness. Mm-hmm. This person's explosiveness is because of power. This person's explosiveness is because of poor body movement and like uh, the way their chain works right um i think from that aspect it really really helps me um i have right now even in the fall fall training is usually uniform everyone does the same thing Mm -hmm. it's not the same right now and part of that is because of the data the data says that it's okay to take the people who are more elite out and change this the data says it's okay to change someone who is like has an injury history and adapt them to a different training plan and still get the same outcome um and as long as that stuff keeps track tracking along the way why not individualize it um it it seems to be you know giving us the best outcome uh for each person and that's that's the goal
0: so having all this data having these inputs how has it confirmed or changed that coach and i right because i'm big on science numbers ask better questions but that you see so many reps of back squat you know like i'm not a gym wearer but i can (laughs) tell you no you move that bar slow you move (laughs) that bar at the right speed like i i'm i'm getting to that point in my career where i'm all right i can use the eye test and (laughs) let you know how is that changing or just confirming like that coaching eye of like Yeah. yeah they're really elastic yeah they're really stiff through the ankles. is it confirming is it showing you some, yeah. some holes
1: and all that that's literally what it is confirming man like and you and I talk a lot of times we'll just sit and we'll watch people or I'll be like hey Devin can you look at this and we'll look at each other and like yep that's what's going on <laughs> uh, but it, it's confirming like coach Webb taught me early on um, there's two parts of coaching there's the art of coaching and the science of coaching you have to be really good at, at the science of coaching if you want to build the athletes to be their best and to be elite once you get the grasp of the science of coaching, mm-hmm. it all becomes an art. And so that's where I feel like I'm at in my career of, like, it's all art for me. I know the science enough that if I adjust a training plan, it's still going to fit within the science. But sometimes it's going to challenge that science a little bit, and I know that what I'm seeing makes sense. I know that it's correct. Having the numbers, though, then says, like, okay, I confirmed that I, I could adjust this training plan for six weeks, and we're getting the same outcome if if i see it differently i'm like okay maybe i pushed the envelope too far maybe i got a little too Mm (laughs) sciencey too too artsy for a second and the science has to come back in the science has to be there we're talking about moving your body and the body moves in very specific ways um it builds and trains in very specific ways it's just not everyone is the same right so uh that's the science of it you have this one person that just doesn't fit into the box of what that science says, and the art has to take over.
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself sound old here and all that, but most of the schools I've been at when I get into yeah. strength and conditioning, like tech was there, was around. Do you think that the coach you are today, you were benefited more from being in a time where th- there wasn't as much like force plates yeah. weren't and as readily available, like the gym wears the Tendo units. They just Price-wise, you maybe had one or two of them, if any at all. Do you think that's helped you? Or do you think having the technology, being a coach now, just put you on a whole nother level of just being ahead of from where you were when you started off?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think starting with less is a huge benefit. I encourage, uh, when I talk to young coaches or anyone now, and it's like, I videotape everything. I record everything. Let's let's start there, because that's the most common technology that everyone has these days it's a phone or it's an ipad um the reason i feel like if i'm watching six different things happen that attract me i have a multi who's warming up in hurdles i have a high jumper over there i got a vaulter on the runway i got somebody else doing a throw because it's an off meet, and i got some kids on the runway i'm watching it mm-hmm. i'm not watching it through my ipad i can see everything that's happening I can tell each person what's going on, even if I see it for a split second. Um, when you have technology sometimes, it, it it pigeonholes you. You have to be focused on one thing, one person, one detail, one factor. You're focused on it, and you're missing everything else around it. Um, what it's turned into, because I started with, with nothing. We didn't have, you know, my, my phone was full after two videos, right, when I first started coaching. Um, and I know it sounds crazy 13 years ago, but. That's where it was. We didn't have iPads. We were one of the first schools to have them, though, which was which was great. Um, so I will give a shout-out to our IT department for hooking us up. Um, but that, that was still after five, six, seven years in where we got to that point. I refined my coaching without technology. Now I can see it clearer. Now I can slow it down. And now I can communicate it to the athletes better. So that's where I think... The, the technology in the weight room even is helpful. Um, we're still gonna see it with our eyes. We're still mm-hmm. gonna know it, but now the athletes know. You know your numbers. You know if, if Devin says you need to be at 0.95 for every rep and you were at 0.65, don't come back and looking at us like I really I put the effort in. You saw the numbers. Mm-hmm. We saw the numbers. Now if you're tired, let's address that. But that doesn't show the effort, right? If it's too heavy, let's address that. But it doesn't show the effort so now we can see the athletes um, being a little more connected, knowing where they are. And that's where technology has come in. It's, it's more for the athletes and, and for us to have checkpoints than it is for the coaches um, of like basing everything off of it, I guess.
0: No, that's a great point. I've, I've been more recently this year, um, especially with my softball girls, some of my freshmen are like videoing them. And even some of the track athletes have like, you explained it once, you tried to demo it once, but like videoing them and just showing it, yeah. it's like, oh, I get it now. My hips aren't coming through on the clean. Like, It just gives them that instant feedback. One thing I want to dive into a little bit before we run out of time. You've been here total time. How long have you been at Pitt?
1: Since undergrad, man. I've been here for 16 years. Uh, 17 years. 17
0: 17 years. years. New projects that are coming in. And I want to dive a lot into the Victory Heights project. How much does that play into your ability to recruit or plan out say the next two recruiting classes with that coming in more resources yeah the new weight room that's going to be in there the sports science lab that's going to be in there does that yeah help to elevate and we'll just like, i'm just going to speak to tracking this just because i don't want to bring other people in but like does that help you guys elevate of like all right we are now going to take this next big step to hopefully then being able to yeah. recruit with of the SEC schools, some of the ACC schools that are in warmer weathers and Mm -hmm. can practice more outside.
1: Yeah, I think it helps from a standpoint of we can point out the investment uh, that the university is making um, and the athletic department's collaboration with them. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing i point out is most universities aren't backing their athletic departments the way that ours is. Uh, they put a lot of money, a lot of resources. They advocate for us, uh, so much collaboration and seeing the need for us student athletes. And I think that's the part that I key in the most when it comes to recruiting. Um, obviously to be able to recruit to, uh, eventually, you know, a track and all that stuff will be great. Um, uh, but I want the athletes to know that you're coming to pit because of the education and because of the opportunities, um, because of the people that care. And that's what I think the facilities being built shows. When it comes to, you know, Victory Heights specifically and our athletes now seeing, we'll, we'll all be able to be in a weight room at, at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be state of the art. It's going to feel really good. You're going to feel so confident and comfortable walking in there every single day. And you're going to have the, re- the best resources out there. I think that's the part that we recruit to. Um, When it comes to the specifics of it is we're going to be in the best of the best, right? You see what we can do where we're at now. The way that that space looks now, man, I heard of, it's funny. I actually heard uh, one of the Oregon coaches, volleyball coaches walk out and say what they did with that space and the way they use that is amazing. I wasn't expecting that. Mm -hmm. It's like a little nod to if we can do that with that space up there, what's Victory Heights going to feel like? Yeah. Um, so that's what makes me excited. And that's the point I try to convey to all of our, our recruits to come in. All of our resources will be in one space. Um, the convenience of it, the comfort of it, but then also this, the elite level of it. That's what Pitt deserves.
0: That's, it's true. I mean, the space up there is awesome. Like floor space wise, yeah. the equipment we've been able to fit in there. It, it's awesome. And now starting from a blank, a blank canvas, pretty much being able to build it out, coach, coach Mox's vision and just yeah. she brings all of us involved They're like what do you need to coach your teams it's going to be amazing one thing i want to touch on real quick with recruiting is i didn't think of this the education side right like mm. Pitt has great standards for education and you've been here through it yeah. through the academics you know what <laughs> yeah. undergrad feels like here you know <laughs> what running here feels like how not how but when you're recruiting like how much of it is just a, not a sales pitch, because I don't want to say that, but yeah. like, how much is it if it's just you just explaining your experience here, explaining how great the yeah. program is here? Because you, you've you been through both sides of it. You've been the athlete, now you're the yeah. coach. Is it just kind of like just pride just gleaming out of you? For sure. Just
1: <laughs> man, the second I started talking about Pitt, I apologize to people all the time. I'm like, I'm sorry, because I, I just love this place. Um, I just love Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh, man. Like It's the best city in the world, if you ask me. It has the best of, of everything. Um, it's as big or small as you want it to be, the the people. Um, every city has their ups and downs, right? But this city is special. It's unique. Um, but that also is the same to say for the University of Pittsburgh. It's unique, man. It's it's a world class education in an urban setting. It's diverse in, in thought and in offerings. Um, there's so much going on here, and that for me is like, yeah. When I talk about it, I feel good about it. Uh, but I've also seen like you said how to balance it to me this is what i always tell people and like i said this isn't like a sales pitch of it at all it's straight up fact you can't fail that pit unless you try to the resources here the people um the things the safeguards like you can be successful you just have to put the work in um but also you're in an environment where they actually value the athletics too so you're in a place where you should be able to get the uh, the academic side of it done and still feel like you have energy and mental focus for the athletic part of it. You're going to get the best degree that you can get, like one of the best in the world, and still have great elite opportunities in athletics, right? Like it's not lacking anything. Um, but then after that's all said and done, you can stay here and get a job. You can stay here and build a family. And So I think just that part of it is the, the part I try to get recruits to understand you get such a big return on investment at the university of Pittsburgh. And like I said, I'm not just saying that to say that that's what the numbers say, mm-hmm. the numbers we talk about data this whole yeah. time, right? The numbers say you get an amazing return on investment at the university of Pittsburgh. It's literally ranked number one return on investment. Public universities in the Northeast. It's what, is what it offers.
0: No, it, it's amazing. I've been here now for a year, and me and my wife still love it. Again, just I can't speak on the academic side. I didn't go here, but just the city, the culture, the events that are going mm. on, festivals. Like, I could only imagine if I did come to undergrad here, like, I loved where I went, but I think being here, being that city vibe, you get city vibes, you get so much amenities around you, but you also get a tight knit community yeah. feel at the same time, too. Like, Every time I run into someone or people in our neighborhood, it's like, oh, yeah, my grandpa grew up in this house, and I bought it. Like People stay in yeah. Pittsburgh, and with all the different tech companies moving in here and all that, and just kind of the yeah. city, I'm not going to say having a rebirth, but again, growing in different areas yeah, from for where sure. it was. It Again, like you said, you can come here and never leave and all and end up with a great yeah. job and still be part of the community. Last question before we close out, because you've been super gracious with your time. For a young athlete coming up, wants to be a coach what was that what's one piece of advice that you could go back in time and yeah. tell young zo this is the golden nugget
1: yeah pay attention um, i think sometimes as coaches um you know i'm starting to see this i'm trying to pour so much into my athletes um, but i'm realizing that everybody has the same capacity right like not everyone wants all the knowledge sometimes they just want the answer to what they're trying to fix in that moment and that's it that's all they care about. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but if you want to coach, um, if I'm pouring into you as a, as a coach, as an athlete, and you're thinking about taking this career path, soak it in, listen, pay attention. Um, and that's what I feel like I was able to do. If my coach was talking to one of our girls who jumped from the opposite side of me, we're not built the same. We don't move the same. I was listening. Um, and I was listening to her why. And I wasn't, you know, processing that for myself of when, when it was my turn, I wasn't trying to do what she told her to do. I just wanted to know. And so that thirst for knowledge, man, if you, if you want to coach, be willing to, to learn, be willing to be a sponge, be willing to do the research, be willing to sit down with your coach and ask questions. Um, I always say, you can ask me questions, just don't question me. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, but the reason I say that is because I know that I've done the work to learn and to grow, and to know enough um, that I'm very confident in what I do. I'm not saying it's the perfect way. It's not the only way, but it's a really daggone good way. Um, And I'm confident in that. So if an athlete underneath me wants to coach, I expect you to be paying attention. I expect you to be listening. I expect you to be asking questions. And I expect you to then talk to your teammates and help your teammates through that. Be a coach. If your coach is busy, not there, um, and that applies to any sport, if you're a defensive back and you're defensive back number six, but you want to coach and you're watching D B number one do something wrong, when he gets back, hey man, remember coach said, make sure you drop your drop your hip when you turn open, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. You can start to soak up stuff. So it doesn't matter if like you're the the number one kid on the team or number thirty five on the roster. It doesn't matter. If you're paying attention and you care enough, you're gonna get something out of it. That's how you begin coaching. Then it's just being a good person and, and learning people how to communicate. You know That's the stuff that comes with it. But yeah, be thirsty for knowledge and, and want to get better for yourself, but then also want to get better with the people around you. And, and it all comes together that way.
0: No, that's an honestly great piece of advice. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. You can yeah. never never learn enough. And I know I personally, I know how you feel in my career. The older I get, the more I've done this, the less I feel I know. And I am keep trying to strive <laughs> yeah. to learn even more. <laughs> But, Coach, pleasure having you on. It was an absolute honor. If anyone wanted to reach out to maybe contact with you and all that, is there a good way, email, social media, is there anything that you do for anyone that wants to get in contact?
1: Yeah, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, My email address is aww9 at pitt.edu. On Instagram, Coach Zoe Pitt. I think there's an underscore in there somewhere, but – Uh, I'll find it and put it in the show notes for you. I'll make sure we get it right. But, yeah, those are the easiest ways to to reach out to me. Um, Instagram's always good. I love to, you know, follow people back and see what you guys are doing. Um, I think it's great to always be connected in the athletic community. So feel free to reach out. I don't know if I have all the answers, but I got some answers. (laughs) We speak a lot. You got a lot of good answers. But, yeah, I I really appreciate, Devin, you having me on, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on Talking Pit, man. I feel like – the next wave
0: absolutely we're we're doing every every bi-weekly we're dropping new episodes so everyone thank you for listening hopefully you enjoyed this episode and as always hail to pit